endorsed very, very strongly. We had a good run with Rod Blum. Thank you. Thank you, Rod. Good job. State Representative Brooke Bowden. Thanks, Brooke. Scott County Sheriff with the most beautiful family, Tim Lane. Thank you, Tim. Iowa Republican Party Chair Jeff Kaufman. Scott County GOP Chair Juanita McNulty. That's a nice day. One of the first elected officials to endorse me. I love this guy. He was so early. He endorsed me before, before I was even running. He said, you know, that guy would be good. Those are the guys we really like. Huh? State Senator Brad Zahn. Thank you, Brad. Oh, we love that guy. Thank you. Thanks, Brad. I also want to thank my Iowa senior advisor, Representative Bobby Kaufman, and many of his colleagues. Bobby is so good. So good. And such a good job. We're looking at those poll numbers. are looking very good, I want to tell you. You know, you can tell by the crowds outside. You can tell by the crowds. But his colleagues in the Iowa House and Senate who are here, and uh, they've all endorsed me, and I really appreciate that, including state senators Jeff Reichman, Charlie McClintock, state representatives Craig Johnson, Ann Osmundson, and I love that name, Mark Cisneros, Steve Bradley, Derek Wolf, Heather Hora, Brad Sherman, Cindy Golding. And by the way, you know what we're going to do a little bit later, if we have a little time left, which I think we will, we'll take a few questions. Does anybody want to answer? You can ask me anything you want. Unlike Biden, you can ask me whatever the hell you want. I've never seen anything like it. The other day they were asking questions and he was reading the answer off a teleprompter. I said, I've never, they've never done that for me. But we'll do some question and answers if you want. Uh, we'll finish up and we'll have a little fun, okay? You can say anything you want. You can give me the worst, toughest, most horrible question. Who cares, right? Who the hell cares? For seven years, our MAGA movement, the greatest in political history, there's never been anything like this, has been taking on all of the evil and sinister forces trying to destroy America's future. You know that? You know it better than most. We stand up to the globalists. We stand up to the Marxists. The Marxists. Remember, I said, we will never have socialism. That train left socialism a long time ago. Never even stopped at that station. We stand up to the crooked Democrat prosecutors all over the country. If I fly over a state that happens to be Democrat, let's call them into a grand jury. They have never, nobody's ever weaponized like this group of people. They're maniacs. We stand up to the rhinos, communists, and the anti-energy extremists. We stand up to the open borders fanatics and the pro-China special interests and the fake news media, of which we have quite a bit of it right here. We put workers first, we put farmers first, and above all, we put America first. We put America first.
In our four incredible years, and they were incredible years, we achieved more for Iowa than any president in American history. It's not even a contest. And in particular, the farmers, they know better than anybody, working hand-in-hand -hand with Iowa's leaders. I was the most pro-farmer president that has ever been in the White House, by far. I was rated that by everybody, because I appreciate the farmers. I know how smart they are, how good they are, and how hard they work. Nobody in history did more for farmers of our country, the great farmers, than I did. To protect family farms, I virtually eliminated the unfair estate tax or death tax. You know, remember I used to say, look, I'm trying to get this passed. I don't know if I can get it. But if I do, if you love your children, you can leave your farm to your kids. If you don't love it, you don't have to worry about tax. No tax! They call it a death tax. That's a, not a nice word, but, you know, very appropriate. If you don't like your kids that much, or if you don't like them at all, which happens on occasion, don't leave them a thing. The tax won't help you. Don't worry about it. Does anybody in here not like their children? Oh, be careful. Oh. We, we got to be careful with that. The problem is the fake news media is going to report that as fact. You know that. You're going to have a lot of explaining to do. He loves his boy. He loves his family. We also gave a giant tax cut to family farms that operate as pass-through entities, a big thing for you farmers, which constitute more than 90% of all agricultural production in the United States. So we got the pass-through done. Nobody thought it could be done. I repealed Barack Hussein Obama's ridiculous waters of the United States. Well, do you know what that is? It sounds so nice, Kim, it sounds so nice. Waters of the United States. I said, I'm going to get killed when I repeal this one, because the only thing good about it was the title, Waters of the United States. And uh, I repealed it, a federal power grab over every ditch and every puddle on private land that make it sound like it was a lake. You couldn't use your property. They really were taking your property away. I'll never forget when I did it. I had a group of farmers and builders home builders standing behind me, about 50 of them. And when I did it, half of them, these are men, and in some cases, about five women, they never cried in their life before, maybe when they were a baby, in their mother's arms. But they're not criers. Half of the people were crying. I gave them back their rights. I gave them back their property. I mean, it was an incredible thing. And our the Department of Agriculture cut seven old regulations for every one new regulation, saving farmers and taxpayers $262 billion a year at least. I ended the NAFTA disaster. That was a disaster. Worst trade deal ever made. And I replaced it with something you like very much with the USMCA, Mexico and Canada, best trade deal ever made. You know how you know it's good? Mexico and Canada want to renegotiate the deal. I see they're up there. We want to renegotiate. It's not working so well. We want everybody to be happy, but it's better that way than the other way. For many, many, for decades, we had to live with NAFTA. What a disaster it was. But the USMCA, we're very proud of that. Everyone said that's another thing couldn't be done. We did a lot. At my personal insistence to Prime Minister Trudeau, the USMCA pride open Canada's dairy, poultry, and egg markets for American producers. They were shutting us out. You have no idea what they were doing. I stood up to China like no administration has ever done before.
And I brought in hundreds of billions of dollars of tax and tariffs and all sorts of revenue pouring into our treasury from China when no other president had ever gotten literally 10 cents, nothing. They came in and they took our country by storm. And we stopped it and we made one of the greatest trade deals ever. We were mistreated by China and our farmers were mistreated more than anybody else. And I took a list as to what amount that bad treatment was. And I went to our, really, he did a great job, Sonny Perdue, Secretary of Agriculture. I said, Sonny, let me ask you a question. I want you to figure out over the next couple of days or sooner, how much money did China rip off our farmers in this country? You have to tell me. He got back to me and he gave me it on a yearly count over a few years, but the total was $28 billion. And I told China, you have to pay it. And you know what? They paid it. They paid it. And you all, many of the people in this audience got a check. I took it out of the tariffs that I charged China. We had a lot of money left over. I can tell you that we had hundreds of billions of dollars, hundreds of billions left over. We took a lot of money to save the steel industry. We saved a lot of industries. We handed checks to the farmers for $28 billion. Did anybody get a check in this room for the farmers? Because you got to be. Yes, good. Not as many as I would have thought. You all got checks, but maybe you're not in that business. But we're all with the farmers, and they got $28 billion. Nobody saw that one coming. That was one that they said, this is incredible. But he also made a deal with China, and the deal with China was a phenomenal one. My people wanted $15 billion in agricultural purchase. I said, you have to buy. And otherwise, we're not going to do business with you and other things other than the farms. And I said, what's the number, 15 billion? I said, did I hear you correctly? I thought they said 50 billion, right? They said 15 billion. I said, I think I heard 50 billion, asked for 50 billion, and they agreed. And that's why you're still doing well today, Kim. You're doing so well today, even though they aren't totally living up to it, it's still more money than anybody thought possible. And the reason they're not totally living it up is I have no respect for the Biden administration, but still more money. That's why the farmers are continuing to do well. But China and the USMCA were just the beginning of our fight for the American farmer. I also got Japan to slash or eliminate tariffs on over 90% of U.S. food and agricultural exports. People knew that. What a difference it made. I dealt with the great Prime Minister, Prime Minister Abe. He was my friend of Japan. And that one who, unfortunately, as you know, was assassinated by a madman. But what a great man he was, and his people loved him, but he was very fair to us, and we opened it up because we were being treated very unfairly by Japan, as we are by almost everybody, I have to tell you. I can't think of anybody that we made a better deal. We'd like, it's hard to believe that we survived, but of course, we do have $34 trillion in debt, so I don't know if you call that survival. You know, eventually that comes back to haunt you, right? But we didn't make any good deals. We had no good deals, so we made a lot of them great, and some of them phenomenal. The European Union agreed to nearly triple its beef imports and opened its markets, the markets to American soybeans at a level that nobody thought was going to happen. I also won our farmers' gigantic concessions from South Korea, Argentina, Brazil, Guatemala, Tunisia, Ecuador, Morocco, and many, many more. I was working very hard on Europe, and that was going to be 
a deal that was done because they don't treat us very well. Europe, believe it or not, you know, it sounds nice. A lot of us indirectly come from Europe. It sounds very nice, but they treat us very bad on trade, very badly on trade. And even if you look at the war, if you look at what's going on, we're spending, we're at about $150 billion and they're at about $25 billion. I would say that's not right, you know. But somebody's got to tell them. All you have to do is say, listen, you're delinquent. You've got to up it. You've got to up it. It's not fair. Not fair to our country. But we had a, an election that was uh, not a good situation, not good at all. You've seen a lot of the reasons for it's a disgrace. We got more votes than any sitting president in history by a lot, by millions. We got 75 million votes. More. more. That's what they report. They say the other guy got 80. I don't think so. I don't think so. He did one hell of a job from his basement. But that's what it is. It's a very sad situation. In total, I successfully negotiated and renegotiated more than 50 agreements to boost farm exports by more than $60 billion, supporting millions and millions of American jobs. And right here in this room and right here in Iowa. And that's what happens when you have a president who stands up for America and who puts America first. It can be done. It can be done. I remember France, American agriculture, you know that. Biden reimposed the waters of the United States rule. He reimposed it. One of the first days in office, he's trying to raise taxes on farms. He wants to reinstate the death tax and fertilizer prices are now up by more than 300% for fertilizer. Net farm income is projected to fall by 16% this year alone. And on top of it all, and if we didn't do what we did, 16% would be 75%. But with the insane Green New Deal, Joe Biden is trying to totally kill Iowa ethanol. By contrast, I fought for Iowa ethanol like no president in history. We've had great support. We've had really incredible support in that from your state. But... Uh, not everybody supports it outside. <laughs> Not the easiest sell outside of Iowa, but we won't talk about that. I issued a rule declaring the E15 would be made available all year round, right? All year round. Nobody said that was going to happen. I also dramatically increased the number of fueling stations where E15 could be sold across the country, all over the country. And very importantly, I let them use the original pumps and equipment instead of having to buy brand new equipment just because I did it, because it was equal to, in some cases, better than the new stuff. So I said, do it. People came to me. They said, we just can't afford to redo this. And remember, we had that conversation and we worked it out. So uh, I'm very honored to have done it. Every promise I made to Iowa as a candidate, I fulfilled as your president. Nobody's ever done this. I made that promise to defend ethanol, and sometimes we really had to go to the wall on that one, but I did, and I, I took care of it. I promised to move the embassy to Jerusalem and to get it built, and I did. I got it built for a fraction of the cost and a fraction of the time. You know, uh, when they came to me, sir, would you please sign this, sir? I said, what's that for? That's for the... American Embassy in Jerusalem.
after I announced that we're going to move it. So moving it was one thing, but it would have never gotten built. It would have been, you know, 20, 25 years. I said, how much is this? Two billion dollars, sir. So what meant? We're going to build an embassy, like a one-story building, two-story building. How do you, you don't build them for two billion dollars in Iowa, I don't think, Jeff, do you? So I said, why so much? They said, well, sir, by the time we do this and buy the land, why do you have to buy land? Don't we have land there? Well, we do, sir, but nobody's really looked at that. We'll take a look. So I called up some people and we uh, looked at it very closely. And we happen to have the best piece of land in Jerusalem because we sort of were there early. You know, we're in a lot of places early as a country. We've been there a long time. I said, could we use it? It had a building on. Could we use it? We'll build the embassy there. We just saved $300 million on land. They were trying to rip us on a piece of land that was not even a good location. I know a lot about location because I'm in the real estate business. Location is very important. But They said, yes, sir, but it's got a problem. What? It's got a building on top of it, sir. I said, oh, that's good. Maybe that's good. Maybe we can use the building. Oh, I never thought of that, sir. So I had a study done, and the building was very strong. It was set back. All of the things that you had, they wanted set back for security. It was a very big site, beautiful, beautiful views, really the best site. And we already have it. And the building was not even occupied. So I rebuilt the building. I did this as a personal thing. And we were going to spend $2 billion on the whole project. We ended up spending $500,000. Can you believe it? I went to our, really, he was a great uh, ambassador. And David, I said, David, uh, let's see what we can do before he calls me back. Sure, we can do it. This is the first time I ever did this. We can do it, sir, for $297,000. I've never said this before. I said, David, that sounds too cheap, you know. Usually I say, let's see if you can cut it in half. Cut the price in half. But, you know, I'm going off a $2 billion number. So I said, you know, a friend of mine, a big, big, very big hedge fund guy, rich guy, every time I walk into his office, he shows me about Jerusalem Stone. Oh, this is Jerusalem, op opposite the elevator bank, big building. And he goes, look, this is Jerusalem Stone. I said, if you tell me that again, I said, what's the big deal? Oh, this is the finest stone, the greatest stone. It comes from Israel and everything else. So when I heard that, I said, you know, two years later, I said to my guys, can we build this building in Jerusalem stone? Yes, sir. It's the cheapest stone we can buy. It's right here. <laughs> you believe it? So the whole building is Jerusalem stone. Nobody can believe it. And it's gorgeous. And so we opened it up on time, under budget, actually under budget. And it's the embassy. And, you know, someday maybe they'll take it down and build some stupid building that costs $2 billion and is unnecessary, which they've done in many other locations, I can tell you. But it was a great thing. So we not only got it in terms of declaring Jerusalem the capital of Israel, which is a big deal to a lot of people. Big deal. But we got the building built, and it was built very quickly. And I heard all sorts of things are going to happen if you do it. It's going to be terrible. There will be bloodshed all over the Middle East, nothing. So it was just a way of stopping something that people didn't want. But uh, when you look at the job we did there, and we got rid of the Iran nuclear deal, now what's happened what, with — when you look at what is taking place right now, it's so sad what's going on right now. They were ready to make a deal. We would have made the greatest deal ever. They would have never had a nuclear weapon. They would have been actually happy about it. But this group came in and allowed them to get rich and allowed them to dictate the terms. And it was really 
really a terrible thing. I promised to appoint true conservative justices to the United States Supreme Court, and I did that, three of them. And over 300 federal judges, the whole court system is, is different. Of course, I never seem to get one of them, so, you know, it's one of those things. I get, I get killed in these courts. I, if, if I get one, you know what they do? We'd like to recuse ourselves. Oh, great. That's wonderful. I promised that I would impose a travel ban to keep radical Islamic terrorists the hell out of our country, and I did that. I said I would get reparations from China, and I did that. We talked about that one. That was a big one, the $28 billion for the farmers, but much more than that for a country. Hundreds of billions of dollars I took in and kept our businesses alive because they were dumping, as an example, billions and billions of dollars worth of steel. And I was able to keep the steel businesses alive. So many people in the steel business, they come to me, they hug me, they cry, they hug me. You saved our business. And I saved many businesses by targeting even like things like the washing machine business, the dryer business, the air conditioning business. They dump all this stuff in, in uh, our country and our, our companies were all closing up. And I saved those businesses with taxes, tariffs. We made it fair. And how could a farmer vote? against me. After doing all this for the farmers, if somebody called me up and I was sort of like in a wise guy mood, I said, they said, how do you think you'll do in Iowa? I said, listen, I got the farmers $28 billion. I did things that nobody thought was possible. Even Kim said it's going to be tough. But we did things that nobody thought was possible. And we made the farming business great. Made it great again, if you think about it. Now it's slipping away a little bit, but we'll get that back real fast. But so I said, I said, and I saved ethanol, which is a big thing for Iowa and farmers, but a big thing for Iowa in particular. And I said, so how the hell would I lose Iowa? How is that possible? And then I got a poll the other day that was, we're way up. I can tell you, Jeff. We're way up, and uh, we're gonna, I think we're going to do fantastically here. It's been a great, it's been a great start. Great people, great people. But I made those promises to the people of Iowa and America, and I kept every single one of my promises. And now we're laying out a bold, forward-looking vision for what we will do. And when we take the oath of office and we get back that beautiful, beautiful White House and we become together the 47th President of the United States. Within hours of my inauguration, I will cancel every Biden policy that's brutalizing our farmers. Every single one.
I'll appoint a special team to attack the high price of fertilizer. We'll have that taken care of very quickly, just like, like I did with oil. In fact, I got the oil down so low, I had to save the oil companies. How about that one? Remember that little period when you were getting almost free gasoline? But we had to save them. We had to call OPEC, and we had to call Russia, frankly, and Saudi Arabia. We said, we had to get the price up. But we saved all those companies. We got the price down to tremendously no, low numbers. And this country was right. We've never had an economy like we had. And <laughs> and when you think of it, they did just the opposite. What caused inflation? The oil price, the oil, energy. Energy became so ridiculously expensive. It drove everything. Now everything is inflated. Now it's more than just energy, but we'll get it down. We're going to get it down. We'll get it down fast. And I'll tell other countries where we spend billions and billions of dollars on military protection. I've said this during my four years. I'd meet with these countries. I say, uh, they would come in to thank me for the protection we give. I say, where do you buy most of our? Sir, we buy mostly from China. Oh, that's nice. Well, you're going to buy from us from now on, or we're not protecting you anymore. Everyone thought that was terrible. And if they don't give preferential treatment to our farmers, just like I did for four years, that's why you had all that business. The troops are packing up and they're going to be coming home. And I tell them that, and you know, there's nothing. Some people said, that's very tough, sir. I had uh, one gentleman, a prime minister from a certain country, he was, I said, where do you buy your military equipment? Sir, we buy it from China. I said, so wait, we're protecting you and you're buying it. Another one said, Russia, we buy a lot from Russia. How much you buy from us? Very little, sir. Sir, we need more protection on our east front. I said, we're not giving you anything. We're not giving... I mean, how stupid are we? I, have, I go through these conversations for four years, the dumbest conversations I've ever had. But they all came alive, and they all came back, and they started buying from us. Unbelievable. I'll also rapidly restore American energy independence and even energy dominance with Iowa ethanol playing a part. You know that. We won't just increase ethanol production in our country, but we'll export ethanol. We're going to export it all over the world. And just as I did for four straight years, I will protect the ethanol and I will go after anyone who wishes to destroy it. And let me tell you, we had a lot of people that fought me on that one. It's also, by the way, it happens to be a national security priority as far as I'm concerned. Now, I may or not, you know, it was so nice because when Kim, she was so energetic and nice and so incredible for the place and such deep spirits, I said, you know, maybe I shouldn't mention this part, but we have to. Should I mention it? More exciting. Okay, so remember this. Ron DeSanctis. Did anyone ever hear of DeSanctis? DeSanctimonious. DeSanctis. Now, Ron DeSanctis strongly opposed ethanol. Do you know that? And we don't even know if he's running, but I might as well tell you. If he's not running, I'll say, he was fine on ethanol. Don't worry about it. He strongly opposed ethanol and fought against it at every turn, and he's going to do that again because people that come out early for something, that's where they go. That's what it is. So, you know, he may do something politically, but he was very, very bad on ethanol. He fought it all the way, and he also fought against Social Security. 
He wanted to decimate it and voted against it three times. Voted against Social Security. That's a bad one. A lot of people don't know that. But I think they've been finding out over the last four weeks one of the reasons that we're zooming in the polls, perhaps. Maybe that's one. Maybe it's other things, too. It's really based on what we've done, I think. And on Social Security, well, we're at it. He wanted the minimum retirement age to be lifted to people that are 70 years old, a substantial increase over what it is right now. That's a big increase. And he also voted to severely cut Medicare. I will not be cutting Medicare, and I will not be cutting Social Security. We're leaving the age rating. But you have to remember, Ron was a disciple of Paul Ryan, who is a rhino loser who currently is destroying Fox and would constantly vote against entitlements. He would just vote against, remember that, the wheelchair over the cliffs, the Democrats used it. The wheelchair over the cliff commercial, very effective. That was about him. But Ryan, Paul Ryan's a big reason that Mitt Romney, I'm not a big fan of Mitt Romney, lost his election. And to be honest with you, Ron reminds me a lot of Mitt Romney. So I don't think you're going to be doing so well here, but we're going to find out. But those are the facts. But I'm proud to say the final numbers just came out and the primary elections, 98.6% of the people that I endorsed in the elections, in the primaries won. Think of it, 98, like your temperature. See those two young guys? They have a 98.6 temperature. Everyone else in the room, it could be different. Who the hell knows? But they're, they're young. They got 98.6. So it's easy to remember. 98.6% of the people I endorsed won in the primaries. And what you never hear from the fake news media, I endorsed 253 people. And of the 253 people I endorsed in the midterm elections, 233 won. So I was 233 wins and 20 losses. They'll bring up one or two names. They'll bring up Herschel, who's a wonderful guy, but he didn't quite make it. They'll bring Herschel Walker up. They'll bring another one up, another one. I get a couple of names. But think of that. 233 wins and 20 losses, if you want to call them losses. And Kim, I'll bet you didn't even know that. And then you hear the fake news saying, oh, he didn't do so well in the midterms. I did well. The party didn't do that well because we have people like Mitch McConnell and others that didn't allow them to do well. But nobody wants to mention it, so you know what I say? If nobody's going to mention it, mention it yourself, these kids. Because if nobody else is going to toot your horn, toot your own horn, and just let it out there. But that's pretty good, right? 233 out of 200. Publication said every single time that Donald Trump has been on the ballot, Republicans either held the majority, like in 2016, or gained seats, like in 2020. The same individuals who want to blame him for losing the Senate in 2020 was not my fault. I had a lot of good people got in because of me, like North Carolina, Ted Budd, like so many others. We had a lot of them, including some sitting senators that were in big trouble. But they want to blame him for losing the Senate in 2022. By the way, J.D. Vance did great. J.D. Vance was another one. And he's been fantastic, I have to tell you. 
But they have amnesia from 2018 when President Trump was in the White House and Senate Republicans gained a lot of seats that were unexpected in the midterm elections. They never mention that the fake news, do they? But it's funny how that conveniently left out always in the discussion. They never like doing it. So on top of this, the publication said Trump still has really high approval ratings with the Republican voter base, is defeating Ron DeSantis in poll after poll by a lot. And I'm beating Joe Biden by a lot, very importantly. So. But you don't hear that from the media, sometimes referred to as the fake news media, so I'm telling it to you, that's the facts. As president, I will immediately end the invasion of our southern border. Kim mentioned, oh boy. people in here. There's a lot of people in here. I ask people, by the way, we have these rallies and this isn't a rally. This is different than a rally. We'll be back for a rally soon. It's a little too cold outside. I said, why are we doing one at an airport? We can have 50,000 people. They said, sir, it's too cold. That was a good call because it's very cold outside right now. But there are tremendous uh, thousands of people outside that want to get in. This great spirit. Two years ago, we had the most secure border in U.S. history, and we will quickly do that again. We had the most secure. We had the best numbers that we've ever had in recorded history. I built hundreds of miles of wall, and we completed the original task as promised, and then I began to add even more in areas where it was needed. We did hundreds of miles and then thank you i don't know what she said but whatever she said sounds good <laughs> but you know what uh we did hundreds of miles of wall and between that and getting mexico to give us twenty-eight thousand soldiers free of charge to keep people out and we had stay in mexico policy you think it was easy to get mexico to say oh we'd love to have a stay in mexico policy we used to have Stay in the United States for the rest of your life, because once they were here, nobody ever got them out. They never went back. They never came back. They'd be given a court hearing, and they would uh, just not even think. They would throw the piece of paper away. It didn't mean anything. But I got a stay in Mexico policy from Mexico, if you can believe it. The reason was, I said, look, you have to do this, because if you don't do it, we're going to put tariffs on everything that you have said. And they said, we would love to do it, sir. It would be a great help. They said to me, we will never do that. Are you? He thought, they thought I was crazy. I said, listen, I need about 28,000 soldiers of your soldiers to keep people from coming into the United States. The guy looked at me like, you got to be kidding. That's the dumbest request I've ever had. I said, oh, no, you'll do it. Don't worry about it. You'll do it. No, no, we will not. We will not do it. We had a woman in the State Department. She said, sir, you'll never get these things, 10 different things I asked for, including the medical, which, as you know, is now expiring, which they shouldn't let that happen. But she said, you'll never get it, sir. But I had the second highest ranking person in Mexico 
And I said, no, no, you'll do it. No, no, we will not do this. Why would you say that we would do that? 28,000 soldiers, that's a lot of soldiers. I said, no, you're going to do it. You're going to keep people out of the United States. And we're going to have what's called stay in Mexico policy. No, sir, we're not going to do it. I said, well, listen, here's the story. If it's not done immediately on Monday morning, this was a Thursday, on Monday morning, we're going to sign. I've already got it made. Here's the papers right here. We're going to put taxes and tariffs on every automobile and everything that you make coming into the United States. And that amounts to tens of billions of dollars. So I really think you're going to do it. Sir, uh, we'd be happy to do it, sir. We'd be happy. He's going like this. Oh. Wait till I explain that to my party. Wait till I explain this deal. But they did, and they were great. And I really like the president of Mexico. He's a socialist, but you know, can't have everything, right? He's a great guy, actually. He's a friend of mine. He, uh, he said, that, that election was rigged. That election was rigged. He said, I had one of them 20 years ago, President. I had one of them. It's not a good feeling, I will tell you. But, uh, but he's a great guy. He's a fantastic guy. And, you know, it's not an easy country. It's a very, very tough country, Mexico. Very, very tough. Very dangerous in many ways. But they have a wonderful man leading it. But they did that. We had stay in Mexico. And Nobody would come into the United States, and we had that border. So until we got approval, if they were good, if they qualified, and some, many of them did, not that many, but many, and they'd come into the United States and live happily ever after. But uh, we kept everybody out. There was an MS-13. We took MS-13 out by the tens of thousands. <laughs> we brought them back. We had three... countries in particular, and we brought them back, and we, uh, you know, when I first came in, I said, why aren't we bringing them back, sir, under the Obama administration? They wouldn't accept them back, sir. I said, what do you mean they wouldn't accept them back? Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, a couple of others, but those three in particular, they wouldn't accept them back. And I said, well, how much money do we pay them? Sir, we pay them $750 million a year. I said, okay, explain to them that as of this moment, they're not getting any money anymore. Because they literally wouldn't, when we had a plane flying in with these horrible people, MS-13 and others that are just horrible, killers, uh, rapists, drug addicts, drug dealers, they'd be flying, and they'd put planes on the runway so our planes couldn't land. They wouldn't let our buses in. They wouldn't let anything and They didn't want them back. They were gone. They were the ones that got them out. They'd put them in the caravans. I came up with that name. But it was a caravan. They'd put them in the caravans, oftentimes in the middle of the caravan. And you'd have this big caravan coming up to the country. It's uh, just terrible. So what I said, I, we ended all of that stuff. You didn't see that until this administration. Now it blows everything away. Nobody's ever seen what's happened. Nobody's ever seen it. But I said to them, uh, what happens? They said, they won't take them back. So I said, okay, just explain that they're not getting any money from the United States. The following morning, I got like... Three calls almost at the same time. Three leaders of the three countries that I mentioned. Sir, there must be a misunderstanding, though. What's the misunderstanding? Uh, we would be glad to have MS-13 come back. We love them very much. And we got them out by the tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. Our countries are emptying out there. You, you take a look at what's going on with these countries. The other countries, they're emptying out their 
prisons, their insane asylums, their mental institutions, and sending all of these people and these massive problems and unbelievable costs, they're sending them to us. There was a picture and a little story about uh, a mental institution in a certain country. And the doctor said, you know, I've been working so hard for 20 years, I couldn't keep up with everything. We're so busy. People wouldn't even have beds. They were so busy. He said, now I have nobody here. You know where they are? Mental institution. You know where they are? They're in the United States of America. It's our problem. And you know what? If you ran one of those countries, Kim, you would have done the same thing. I would have. They're cleaning out their prisons. They're emptying their prisons. Their prisons are empty. They're mental institutions. They're insane asylums, a word you're not supposed to use anymore. Words you're not supposed to use. Don't like Biden. I have three words for you. We don't want to be caught in that predicament. So two words. Insane asylum. A word, these are words you're not supposed to be uh, using anymore. It's not politically incorrect. But mental institutions are being emptied out by the thousands and thousands and thousands. And think of the, the money they're saving and all of the problems they're saving. And they're dumping them into the United States of America. We're like a dumping ground. And we end that stuff. It'll end so fast, your head will spin. It's horrible what's happened. <laughs> Who can even think that this is acceptable? And, you know, when you look at their policies, right, uh, no borders, no voter ID, high interest rates, weak military, let's stop spending, woke all over the place. It's, uh, but you look at all of these things that they do, you can't win elections with that. You can only win if you cheat at elections, okay? Because there's nobody going to say that open borders is a thing that's popular, especially when you hear stories like that with the mental institutions and the prisoners all coming into the, all being brought right into the United States, dumped into the United States. And uh, we have to be very careful. We have to, we have to be a lot different on the elections. I always say, I don't want any help with the election. The only thing I want is when they're counting the votes, you got to be there. You know, we used to have one day. We used to have paper ballots. We didn't have mail-in, you know, mail them in any time you want. They come in by the thousands, tens of thousands. 200 million ballots. Where are they coming from? We don't know. It's like they're getting dumped in their heads. It's a disgrace. But we used to have paper ballots. We used to have, we used to have things where voter ID, you come in and they say, we would like to see your voter ID, and they'd show a nice picture. You know, the Democrats, for their convention, had a voter ID. It was like this. It was like a prisoner wears, actually, that had more information on that person. And that was for the Democrat National Convention, when they had the Democrat last time. They had the biggest voter ID I've ever seen. They had pictures from every angle, angles that you don't even want to see. They had pictures. And, uh, but we're not allowed to have one for voting. You have to have one when you buy groceries and other things, but you can't have one for voting. That's because they want to cheat. That's the only reason. Even 88% of the Democrats, 88% of the Democrats want that. And one of the things I'm asking Republican governors to do, oh, there's a Republican governor, but I'm asking that what they should do while they have this power and 
Go paper ballots. Go one-day voting. One day. You know, some of these states, they're out there for... They're out there for 62 days. Think of it. It never ends. In fact, on election night, they say, we can't call the election because they have another two days or they have another two weeks in some cases to vote. No, it's horrible. No, voter ID, same-day voting. You know, in the old days, we had same-day voting. And they can call a holiday if they want. They can do whatever they want. France had 36 million people vote. They used to have machines. They used to have all different things. And they were getting just really bad results, bad. People were ripping off the system. Because anytime Jimmy Carter said it with his commission, anytime you have mail-in ballots, the system is inherently dishonest. Because they go out, they come out. So we need to have it. I think Republican governors, I think it would be very popular. Same-day voting, paper ballots, voter ID, and it's over. Two days is it. See, I'm so popular. It's so popular. Now, France had 36 million people vote. At 10 o'clock in the evening, all the votes were cast. You had a winner, you had a loser. The loser went home, the winner went on to govern. And we should have the same thing. It's a horrible thing where the the machines don't work hard. We have a hard time. We should have the machines. You see the one state? We should have the machines, uh, the vote, within two weeks. You know? And what they do to those machines, what they're doing is just, our country is, uh, it's really being hurt very badly by it. But everybody likes it. I've never seen an audience that doesn't go crazy about it. And I hope Republican governors that have that can start the process, because that's what we should all have. As president, I will sign a massive increase in Border Patrol and a colossal increase in the number of ICE deportation officers. Just so you know, these are, these are incredible patriots. You know, I know some of the people sitting up here, and they're tough guys, but they're not, they don't want this job. They will walk into a pack, a gang from Mexico or from El Salvador, and they'll run in and they'll start throwing and fists and fighting. And I said, do you really like doing that? <laughs> you know, this guy right over here, my friend, he doesn't want to do it. He thinks he's a tough guy. He's not tough. These guys are incredible patriots. And they would grab him and they would take him out. You know, the uh, MS-13 guys, they would, not so long ago, they killed two young 16-year-old girls walking to school. And they didn't do it with guns because that's too quick. They, they used knives and they cut them up and sliced them up and uh, they they did it that way because it was more painful and it was slower and these are the people we have living here and the ice people they go in and they take them out and they either throw them in jail or they bring them back to the country depending on the severity and they are great and they're great patriots and they they get scorned they're scorned by the radical left they're actually scorned the job they do is incredible i'll ask every state and federal agency to identify every known or suspected gang member in America and every one of them that is here illegally. And everybody knows it because your local sheriffs know who they are. This sheriff knows every bad person in your area. But it's politically incorrect for him to say that. But this guy doesn't mind. He doesn't mind being 
politically incorrect. But he knows. You know the good ones, the bad ones. You know where they are. You can't just bring people in for that. But the local law enforcement knows. But we'll pack them up and uh, immediately take them out of a country, and uh, we will deliver them to the country of origin, the country from where they came. Before I arrive at the Oval Office, shortly after I win the presidency, I will have the disastrous war between Russia and Ukraine settled. It'll take 24 hours if it's not done before then. What a shame that is. What a shame, what a shame, what a shame. And the numbers, the deaths, and the people are being so horribly injured, it's far greater than what they're reporting. They blow down a city, buildings all over the building. It looks like a demolition site, and it, which is exactly what it is. And everybody is, so many people are being killed. And then they'll say, two people were injured. No, no, many people are killed. The numbers are far worse, far worse than is being reported. It's a, hor it's a horrible thing taking place. I could get that thing settled. It would have never happened if I were president. Zero chance. And even the Democrats admit that. Even the Democrats say, no, if Trump were president. And President Putin knows, could do. We used to talk about it. He can't do it. You're not going to do that. And uh, he was never going to do that until I left. And then he said, well, and you know what happened? He watched what happened in Afghanistan. When he saw that horror show in Afghanistan, the way we took our soldiers out first, you don't bring the soldiers out first. You bring the soldiers out last. First you get your people out, then you get your equipment out. They kept $85 billion worth of equipment. And now they're the... And now Afghanistan is the second largest seller of arms in the world. They're selling... They got... 700,000 rifles, machine guns, and guns. 70,000 vehicles, many of them armor-plated. You know how expensive that is? There's no car lot in the, in the world, but in this country, that has more than a few hundred cars. 70,000 of the most sophisticated vehicles in the world. We handed it to them. We handed it to them. Night goggles. They have better night goggles than us, brand new, never taken out of the box. You know, they're good fighters, but they never fight at night because you couldn't see at night. Now they can see. And uh, I dealt with Abdul. He was the leader. I said, Abdul, I was very proud of this. I said, and the press hit me hard. You know, the press was saying, why are you calling the terrorists? I said, because, you know, Jesse James, the bank robbers, they said, why do you always rob banks? He said, because that's where the money is, right? Why do I speak to Abdul? That's where the problem is. Abdul is the leader of the Taliban. And I said, Abdul, Abdul, nice to talk to you. I said, but uh, listen, uh, if you kill any more of our people, because he was really, they were going to town, the snipers, they were going to town on our people during the Obama administration in particular. They were knocking them out one after another. And I see the end result. I'd go to Walter Reed, which is so incredible, the doctors and the job they do. But I'd see what was what was left, what was, what these people, what the parents went through with their beautiful son, sometimes daughter, just decimated. And the parents are not even, in, they don't even believe it when they're standing by the bedside crying. They don't even believe what happened to their child. I said, Abdul, if you kill any soldier, we are going to hit you harder.
better than any country has ever been hit in the history of America. We're going to hit you harder. And we won 18 months, 18 months without one soldier killed in Afghanistan. And then we had the election, and the other side came in, and we lost a lot, and we lost a lot that day, that horrible day where we took the soldiers out first. Remember that? That was a horrible day. I think it was the most embarrassing day in the history of our country. And when Putin looked at that, he said, this is my chance. These people are incompetent. This is my chance. It's just incredible. But I was very proud of that. Think of that, 18 months without one soldier being... Biden actually put it in his speech, and they were screaming at him, don't say that. That's good news for Trump. But we did a good job with this administration. You could end up in World War III because they don't speak right. They don't send the messages out right. They act tough when they should act nice. They act nice when they should act tough. Honestly, they don't know what the hell they're doing. We're going to end up in a world war over this stuff. We could end up in a, in a major war. Well, you could end up in a major war with China or others. There are others out there a lot sooner than people think. And, you know, we have a word called nuclear. Nobody was allowed to use that word. For years and years, you couldn't use the word nuclear because it's devastation. And now they're talking about it all the time. It will be a nuclear war. It'll be a nuclear war. You're not even allowed to say it. I had people come down from MIT and tell me about nuclear, the power is so enormous. So this is not like the Second World War, where we have army tanks and rifles and we go after each other. This is a level that uh, will possibly end the world. And we have people that don't know what they're doing. We have people that truly have no clue what they're doing. And uh, you see it just like I do. You see the same language. They, they say the wrong thing. Sometimes they're much too tough but always on the wrong subject. And sometimes they're weak as hell. Like when Biden said initially on Afghanistan, well, he could go in and maybe take over some of the country. That was not a good signal. That was not a good signal. People said, did he really say that? But we have, we have inflation. These are all self-inflicted wounds, much worse than wounds. We have inflation that's rampant. If you look at what inflation over 200 years, what it's done to countries that had to suffer through it, it destroys the countries. It's like cancer, destroys the countries. We have now banks that are closing, two banks, two big banks yesterday closed. That's a bad sign. That could be the beginning. We have an economy that's in shambles. You know, last year, you don't realize this, last year we had the worst stock market since 1929. Did you know that? We had the worst stock markets. You know, you don't think of it because you continue to do. It's tighter. It's tougher. You have inflation. You, your gasoline costs you four or five times as much in some cases. But we had the worst stock market since 1929. It actually goes back longer than that. It goes back to, I think, 1887. But I said, let's use 1929 because people understand. That was called the Great Depression. But we had the worst stock market. Uh, people have their... 401ks. Does anybody have a 401k? Raise your hand if you're happy with it, because not too many people. Anybody happy with the results? Because I'll tell you what, 
They were happy when I was running this country. They were making a fortune with the 401. I had a police officer in New York. They're great people. He came up to me and said, sir, I want to thank you. My wife always said I'm an incompetent, horrible investor. We have a 401k. And all my life I was suffering with her, sir. You don't know what you're doing. You did. Sir, she gave me the biggest kiss last night. I was up 59% last year. This is a few years ago. And my wife loves me so much. She thinks I'm the greatest investor ever now, sir. And I just want to thank this big, handsome cop from New York. And uh, I, I sort of just remembered it. But many people said that. They were up 50, 60, 70, 80%. And now you're going down at numbers that nobody would have thought. Yeah, it was the worst stock market since 19... 29. Think of that, what that is, the Great Depression. We have a country that's a mess, but more importantly, it's a, a world that's in serious trouble because we have such an impact on the world. We lead the world, or we should, but we're not leading it anymore. When you see that, and you see Saudi Arabia made a deal with Iran, and they made it through China, not through the United States. Who would have thought of that one? Who would have thought Saudi Arabia? I, and I said this two years ago. I said, you know, if they keep going like this, Saudi Arabia is going to get together with Iran through China, and China is going to control that whole situation. It should have been done through us. We could have had that done so easily. These things are unprecedented. Things are happening that are unprecedented. The Biden administration has driven Russia right into the arms of China, something that is unacceptable. When you're a child studying history, the one thing you learn is you never want Russia and China to get together and form an alliance. Biden has done that. They have a big, beautiful alliance right now. And they've driven Russia right into the arms of China, like, like taking candy from a baby. It was for China. It was very easy. We also have the Iran problem, and I would have had that done very quickly because they were in bad shape financially. Now they're rich again. I told China, if you want to buy oil from them, that's fine, but you're not going to do any more business with the United States. And uh, they said, we will not buy oil from them. They didn't. And we were in a position where we could have made a great deal and made a deal for them, too. Made a deal for everybody to keep the world safe. But uh, when I left, all of a sudden, China went back and started paying a fortune for the oil, and they're rich now. Uh, Iran is very rich now. And it's a much different situation than it was. Iran was ready. They were totally ready to make a deal. That we had a bad election, really bad, and we're in a position now that we have problems that I don't think we've ever had a more dangerous time for this country and for the world. I don't think there's ever been, again, it has to do with weaponry, but I don't believe there has ever been a time like we're in right now what they've done to our country in two years is unthinkable. It's unthinkable. Standing before you today, I am the only candidate who can make this promise. I will prevent World War III, because I really believe you're going to have World War III. Because I believe you're going to have it. You know, thank you. You know, I saw outside somebody was wearing cap. Trump was right about everything. 
I hate to say it, it's true. Germany with the pipeline. I said, what are you doing? The German delegation during the United Nations speech, my speech, they were laughing. They thought it was so funny. A year later, Trump was right about that one. Germany is now, you know what Germany is doing? Building coal plants all over the place as fast as they can. That didn't work out too well. But I was the one that exposed Nord Stream 2. It's called Nord Stream 2, a pipeline from Russia to Germany, but other parts of Europe going to supply. And I said, what are you people doing? And remember, I gave the white flag of surrender. I sent it over to Angela Merkel. She said, but why, but why do you send this to me? I said, because you will be surrendering in a certain period of time. Nobody knew it was going to be in two years. But you will be, you've had many wars with Russia. They've been big wars. You cannot get 85% of your energy from Russia. You got to find other sources. But they, uh, they thought it was so funny. Now they say Trump was right about that one too. But every step of the way, we will be opposed by the corrupt warmongers and neocons and globalists and communists and all of the other menacing forces that have been trying to take us down with hoaxes and witch hunts. And they've been trying to do anything they can to stop us. It's called Make America Great Again. You know, MAGA. They'd say MAGA, MAGA, MAGA. They hate to use the what it means. The term is simple. It's make America great again. There's nothing wrong with it. They're breaking every law to persecute us while Joe Biden's brazen corruption and criminality is totally ignored. I mean, you take a look at what's on the laptop from hell. I mean, at some point, does he, you know, after every day, does he ever say, like, this thing with Hunter, my son, it's just not working out real well. This is, you know, at some point, because that laptop is a disaster, Hunter went to him, actually, and he said, Dad, we have a problem. What? I left my laptop at the repair shop. Oh, well, that's not a big problem. Well, what's, why is that a problem, son? Well, that was a few months ago, and the repair shop now owns it. Oh, that's not good. Well, what's on it? Every single crime that you've ever committed. At some point, at some point, he's going to say, you know, I'm not sure if this is so good. This is not working out too good. But, you know, in the meantime, they go after us. What's happening is very simple. Our enemies are desperate to stop us because they know that we are the only ones who can stop them. And I will totally obliterate the deep state. I will fire the unelected bureaucrats who have weaponized our justice system. Look at what they've done to our justice system, what they have done to our justice system. I will direct the Department of Justice to go after Marxist prosecutors' offices to make them pay for their illegal race-based enforcement of the law. Many racists are there. I will revoke China's most favored nation's trade status. You know, China says they're a, they're a growing country. We need help. They don't need help. They're doing just fine. But can you believe that they have a most favored nation? I will implement a four-year plan to phase out all Chinese imports of essential goods and gain total independence from China. 
And I will hold the well, that's it. You got to do it. And I will hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable for unleashing the China virus upon the world. Nobody can afford what it is. You know, I told you before that I was very proud of the trade deal that I made with China and the farmers. But then we got hit with COVID. And I don't even talk about that deal anymore because COVID was so horrible and devastating. I talk about the USMCA, Mexico, Canada. But I made a deal that is so big. We talked about it. But I don't talk about it. This is one of the few times I mention it because it happens to be Iowa. And it's important for Iowa. But I hardly talk about that deal anymore because all of the goodwill and the good feeling and everything that was good about it got wiped out with this horrible Chinese China virus that came in. COVID, they call COVID-19. What's COVID? What is COVID? It's the China virus. It is the China virus. And it came in and it wiped out, and it wiped out all of the goodwill. It was such a, I would go around for a few months before this happened, and I'd say, we just made the greatest deal with China. It's good for China, good for us. We're supplying them with food. They're paying us a fortune. Remember I said, I said, all the farmers, I just made a deal, because the farmers were with me. You know, China was really hitting us hard. They wouldn't do any business. And the farmers stuck with me during this negotiation. It was tough. It took two years, and they stuck tight. They were unbelievable. They didn't want anything. I, they'd interview people, and they'd say, the president's doing the right thing. I don't care. I'm losing my shirt, but the president's doing the right thing. And they stuck with me. I'll never forget that, how great the farmers were. You know, everyone always wants something in Washington. I had 39 farmers come into a meeting in the Oval Office, a beautiful, beautiful uh, conference room. I said, I'm going to get you so much. They said, we don't want anything, sir. We just want a level playing field. I'll never forget that. Nobody else said that to me. Everyone else, they want subsidies. They want everything. The windmills. How about the windmill? stuff. The windmill stuff. They get a lot of subsidy. But you know what? They want something. The farmers wanted nothing. They just wanted... I never forgot it. I tell that story a hundred times. They're unbelievable people. They just wanted... They said it. A level playing field. And I will end Joe Biden's inflation nightmare and quickly rebuild the greatest economy in American history. We had the greatest economy in world history. China was supposed to take us over in 2018. Was supposed for years. 2018 was the big year. I said, oh, this is a terrible thing. This is not a good, I don't want that. And we built this country so strong. We had an economy that was, we were leapfrogging them. They would have never caught us. And then the virus came in. And they didn't catch us anyway. But we did it twice. We built the economy twice, and we're really proud of it. I will protect Social Security and Medicare, defending our seniors from both the radical left and the Paul Ryan Republican establishment, because that's what it is. The rhinos. The rhinos. They're worse than the Democrats in many ways, because you don't know where they're coming from, right? You don't know where the rhinos are coming. At least you know where the Democrats are coming from, and it's not a good place. But the rhinos, sometimes you don't know. As I announced earlier this month, I will pursue a quantum leap in the American standard of living. We will hold a competition to build new freedom cities on the frontier. We have this magnificent, we own most of the country. We have the most beautiful.
Beautiful lands in the country to give countless Americans a new shot at home ownership and the American dream. We'll build cities and we will support baby bonuses for a new baby boom. We want a baby boom. We want our people to have babies like we used to have. And other countries have that problem too. I will immediately sign a new executive order to cut federal funding for any school that's pushing critical race theory, transgender insanity. and any other inappropriate racial, sexual, or political content on our children, their children. You know the amazing thing about that? Look at the hand you get for that. Bigger than, uh, we're going to be energy independent. The amazing thing is, 10 years, if somebody said that, you wouldn't even know what they're talking about. That they can mutilate our children is without your permission. Parental rights. I said the other day, I will bring back parental rights into our school system, right? Place. And the place went crazy. The, you know, the place went crazy, and I said, can you imagine what I'm doing? I'm saying, parents, you have rights. That's what I've said, basically. Simple. Parents, you have rights. The place goes crazy because our country has gone crazy with this nonsense. I really believe it's people that hate our country. It has to be. It's people that hate our country. And just as you're doing right here in Iowa, we will keep men out of women's sports. That's another easy one. I don't know if anybody watches it. Do you see some of the records that are being broken? That's a little the weightlifting record. Guy comes in one hand. Bing, he just broke the record. Have you lifted before? No, not really. Boom. It's so ridiculous. The swimmer, you, re, you know, I told you about the swimmer. He got very badly injured from windburn as the guy went by her. Guy's going so fast in the swimming pool that she got windburn, you know? So she was badly injured. The whole thing is crazy, and it really hurts women. It it's, doesn't, it's the opposite of dignity. It's horrible. And you did it here, and that's great. There are some states that just, I just didn't see a certain state went the opposite way. Can you believe it? Anyway, I know one thing. If I was a basketball coach, I'd be the greatest coach in history. I'd have a woman's team. I'd have all men. I'd have, I'm not a fan of LeBron James. I don't like LeBron, but I'd say, hey, LeBron, you ever think of becoming a woman because you're going to be on my team. We're going to have, we're going to go undefeated for the next five years, LeBron. I'm not a fan, but you know, I would ask him that question. And I will not give one penny to any school that has a vaccine mandate or a mask mandate from kindergarten through college. Out of control.
You know, we have some great Republican governors. You have one right here, but they didn't close up. They closed up their state for a short period of time, and many of them didn't close at all. They didn't close at all. In, and they had a lot of pressure, but not from me. I allowed them to keep them open, but we have some Republican people. You look at South Carolina, how well they did. You can look at uh, South Dakota. You can look at various states that did, from Tennessee did fantastically well. You did fantastically well. They weren't mandated to do anything. They were, you know, use your own good common sense. That's called the federalist system. And uh, they did a fantastic job. Many of our young people are still dealing with the fallout of the prolonged school closures and the cancellations of the sports and activities, and they become antisocial. Lots of bad things happen. Will be the administration that commits to get these kids back on track and quickly. Kids are going to go back to school and participating fully. And now they're really in the process of finally getting it done. But this must be our priority, has to be. And uh, I will tell you that I want to congratulate Iowa on recently becoming the second state of the nation to deliver universal school choice. That's so great. School choice is where it's at. That's great. That's great. Very important to you, isn't it? Very important. I know every time I'm with Kim, she really finds the education. You know, some people are for it, and some people are less for it. Some people want to talk about trade, and some people want to talk about other things, but always been very, very strong on education. I see what you've done here. It's incredible. As president, I'll fight to expand that right to every single state in America, and we were doing that, too. And I'll support the direct election of school principals by the parents. They should be elected by the parents. If any principal is not getting the job done, of which you have many, 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 especially in the inner cities, the parents should be able to vote to fire them and to select somebody who will, who will get the job done. In addition, I am going to pursue, and we studied it very closely, and I was getting ready to do it, pull the trigger, the long-term goal, but now it's a short-term goal of breaking up the Federal Department of Education and redistributing its functions to the states. Going to break it up soon. That'll be done quickly. I was ready to get it done. I was ready to get it done. Then we had a bad election. But this is what must be done to save our country from destruction, all of these things. And remember this one, having to do with education. Out of the top 40 countries, we're always at, like, the bottom of the list in terms of success per stu student. And yet, I believe it's about three times and even sometimes four times more then the second, third, and fourth country. So we spend three to four times more on educating a pupil, and yet we're at the bottom of the list. They're at the top of the list, and they spend much less money. So you know the system doesn't work. So breaking up the Department of Education is a very simple thing to do, okay? And 2024 is the final battle. That's it. If you put me back in the White House, the reign of the corrupt Washington establishment will be over. I got to know them all. When I went there, I didn't know a lot of people. I had to rely on, in some cases, rhinos and others to give me some 
recommendations, but I know them all now. I know the good ones. I know the bad ones. I know the weak ones. I know the strong ones. We know them all. And America will be a free nation once again. And with your support and these caucuses, we will, and we're always keeping you there, we're going to complete our mission. We are going to see that job through. We did such a job. There was a report today we were as good as any president. There's never been an administration that's done more than we have done. We rebuilt our military. Largest tax cuts in history. Largest regulation cuts in history. Even on a medical right to try, people are dying and they couldn't use drugs that were perfectly good, perfectly good, but it take, takes two, three, four years to get them approved by the FDA. Sometimes it takes 13, 14 years. We cut that in half down to five. Cut it in more than half. And when people are terminally ill or very ill, I passed something, got it passed. They were trying to do it for 54 years. I got it passed in Congress, right to try, where you no longer have to go to Asia or Europe or wherever you may go to try and find a miracle cure. You can stay home and use, because we have the greatest doctors in the world, the greatest labs in the world. And if you're critically ill, if you're terminally ill, or even a little bit less than that, you don't have to do this. Many people were going to faraway lands, and they would die, but they'd go to faraway lands. Many people would go home. If they didn't have money, they couldn't go to faraway lands. They'd go home and they'd die. They'd sit in their room and they'd die. Now you sign a paper and you have right to try and you can use things that work, but they're not approved yet because you have to go through a process. And people said, sir, you can't do that because you'll maybe make the person very sick. I said, the person is terminally ill. The person has two weeks to live. And we've saved thousands and thousands of lives. That was another thing. Nobody ever thought we could get that approved. But we saved thousands of lives. People that are living right now with drugs that are advanced, with all of the things they can do now, that things you wouldn't even imagine possible. But we did so much. And we rebuilt our military. Think of that. We had planes, we had fighter jets that the grandfather flew, and then the father, and then the, the son is flying it, or was flying it. We have all new, all new beautiful stuff. The 85 billion that we gave away is too bad, but that's actually small compared to what we did. We rebuilt our entire, entire military, and it was, uh, it's been amazing. <laughs> giving a lot of it away, though. I tell you, we're giving a lot of it away. And we're going to finish what we started. The people of Iowa have always been there for me. They've always been, you've always been there for me. Somehow we had a, a great relationship right from the beginning. And I think I can honestly say that I have always been there with you and I always will be there with you. <laughs> Together we will end the era of weaponized government forever. We will end woke. We will crush the deep state. We will save our economy. We will defend our farmers. We will evict Joe Biden from the White House. And we will make America great again. Thank you. Thank you.
people up there. So Elton John once told me, you know, when I do my last song and we knock it down, the place is going crazy, and then they start screaming, Encore! Encore! Come back! And he'll come back, he'll do another good one, drive him, then he comes back, and he hits a little bit of a dud. The people leave unhappy. It's very stupid to do a couple of questions, but let's give it a shot. Should we do that? Should we or not? Yes? Okay. Do we have a mic someplace? We'll take a few questions, ask whatever you want. But you know, it's, uh, you know the story, right? Encores are always dangerous. Especially for singers, you want to know the truth. Go ahead, who's got the mic? Uncle Sam, you do. Good, let's go. What do you have, Uncle Sam? I like that man. I like the way he's dressed. He's a good-looking Uncle Sam. Go ahead. Go ahead. You have a mic? Yeah, go ahead. You could give it to anybody that has a question. Anybody has a question, go ahead. Ma'am, please. Go ahead. As a member of Moms for Liberty, yes. uh, parental rights and education are top priorities. Yes. Seems like schools have become indoctrination camps where they're focused on sexualizing our children, and it's just not right. How do we get back to the basics in the classroom, teaching, you know, reading, writing, and arithmetic, uh, history, right? That's right. And civics. Thank well, you, Mr. President. You know, everything I said tonight, they could say he's conservative. He's got a wonderful conservative voice. Actually. It's a voice of common sense. And with education almost, in many ways, easier than other things, we have to get back to common sense. And that is reading, writing, or arithmetic. What they're teaching in schools today is insane. And most people understand it. Even the people that want it, they understand it. So we're going to do something. And a lot has to do with your governors and your people that are leading your states. And, you know, they're going to be given free reign to do what they want to do. You happen to have a great governor that's very much into it. And she's taken this state so far. And we'll have other governors doing the same thing. And it's a really great question. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. That's interesting. Yeah, Trey Gowdy's very good. I think he's very good. Uh, we have... We have, uh, we're going to have a lot of great choices for Vice President. We're going to pick a great one, but we're going to have a lot of great choices. You know, this whole process is interesting. There are those that say they're all campaigning right now to be Vice President. We've heard that a little bit, right? But I will tell you, we'll pick a great one. Thank you very much. Interesting. Okay, question over here. Go ahead, please. Yeah. Mr. President, our farmers are under attack from increased fuel and fertilizers yes. prices. At the same time, we're demonized by Washington and climate life leftists. How do we protect our farmers from the activist EPA and reduce the costs for our Iowa farmers? So you were totally protected two and a half years ago. Hard to believe it's two and a half. We have a year and a half to go. It seems so short now when you had to think in terms of much longer. But you were totally protected like never before. I think you would say like never before. We will bring that back so fast your head will spin. A big thing is to get the fuel price down. Once that fuel price comes down, a lot of other things are going to happen, including the fertilizer, which I hear is a disaster for farmers right now. So we're going to take care of all of it. And it'll happen very, very fast, very, very quickly. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Okay. Mr. Over Mr. Here. President? Go ahead. Over here, somebody. I, I, Mr. President, yes. I'm full of gratitude for everything you have done for us and are doing for us, uh, for we the people. 
I'd just like to ask, thank you, thank you, sir. And what So far, I love this question. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for the kill. So go ahead. What can you do to bring back manufacturing jobs? Well, I was doing that, and one of the things we were doing is making it very difficult to have auto plants in Michigan and all leave our country. We had almost nobody leaving during my administration. And one of the things you do is you have to tax some of these products that come back into this country because you have to make it competitive. I saved the dishwashing industry. I saved the washer-dryer, the many industries, because they were dumping product. It wasn't as good, but it was pretty good. And they were dumping product into the United States. I saved so many different uh, manufacturers. If you look at Whirlpool in Ohio, they, they had such a problem. Uh, Korea, South Korea was dumping, and China, thousands and thousands, millions of units in at, at a price that is just, it, it, they, wouldn't, they weren't going to work. And I ended that, I put a 50% tariff on, and I was with them. That part of Ohio is thriving today. It's thriving, and those companies are doing great. So we have to look at individuals, but we will uh, be able to handle that situation very easy. Don't forget, we have a thing, we have a power called the economy. We have a very powerful engine, and the problem is we have people that really don't know how to use it. They don't know how to use it to our collective advantage, but I know how to use it. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, question over here. Thank you, President Trump. Under Biden, the installed president, we are seeing mobs of illegals coming across our border. Just this last week, we saw a violent mob try to force their way across the border near El Paso. What can we do to finally secure our southern border and finish the wall? It'll be secured on day one, and then we have to make a decision. What do we do with the 15 million people that have invaded our country, okay? And we'll do the right thing, that I tell you. We will start by getting the bad ones out. And the sheriffs and law enforcement, who we love, the sheriffs know every one of them that shouldn't be here. You know every one of them that shouldn't be here. And we'll take care of, we'll take care of business. Go ahead. Thank you. Go ahead. Mr. President, the mainstream media came after you and your family like crazy. But not one of them seems interested in investigating the Biden crime family or Hunter's laptop. They also censored anyone who asked questions in 2020. How do we get to the bottom of this? So the mainstream media had a very high approval rating when I announced I was running for president. And just today I read where it reached an all-time low because people are wise to what's been happening. What they have done, they really are a political arm of the Democrat Party. It's, it's a terrible thing. You saw, you saw last couple of weeks where the FBI and Twitter, it's called Twitter Files, where they work together and they work together with Facebook. You couldn't say anything good about Trump, and you couldn't say anything bad about Biden. They had the laptop. They knew all about the laptop. They knew all these crimes are on the laptop, and they weren't allowed to do anything. They weren't allowed to talk. And frankly, they have that liberal inclination anyway. But they, even if they wanted to, they couldn't do it. I think we're making a lot of progress. I think that, the, that Congress is doing a very good job now. We have some people. Nancy Pelosi is packing. She's gone. Getting her out is a big, that's a big step. 
And I think, Kevin, and all of the people in Congress, I tell you what, you know, that whole people thought it was a fiasco. I think it was a beautiful thing, as it turned out. That five or six nights of voting and voting and voting and voting, I actually think that was like a cleansing action. It was a great thing that happened. And there's great unity in Congress. We do have to do something about Mitch McConnell. He's, he's a disaster. He's a disaster. He, he gets his 10 guys and they give Biden whatever they want. There's something going on that doesn't make sense. They give him whatever they want. He gets his 10, 12 guys and they vote in order to give the passage because you need the 60 votes usually and they vote and they give him what he wants. I just cannot understand. Nobody can understand it. We got to get him the hell out. He's a problem. Big problem. In the meantime, I hope he's feeling well, but he's a big problem. Okay, go ahead. We'll take one or two more. Go ahead. Hello, Miss. Hello, Mr. President. Got to be a good one. You know, if it's a good one, I'm out of here, right? If it's a bad one, I'll, I've got to take a couple of more to get over the stench of the bad one. I just want to say it's an honor to hear you speak, Thank first you. of all. But my question for you is, what can you do to combat transgender athletes taking over women's sports? Well, you've done it here because your governor's passed legislation. You can't. No, it's crazy. It's it's like how does uh, people are seriously in favor of having it done. And I don't understand it. And I tell the story of that champion swimmer. And she's there and she's looking up and down the line. She sees friends that she's been swimming with. She's a champion. And then she sees this person next to her. And he's a monster. He looks like Wilt Chamberlain, but a little bit different. She sees the guy has a wingspan. She's like looking up and down. Then she looks up. Wow. And, uh, you know, he broke all these records. And it's just a it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. You would almost say and I said it once before tonight, but you would almost say it's people that want to hurt our country because it doesn't make sense. And that one's a very easy one to figure. Anyway, you've got it done in Iowa. A lot of other states are doing it. Some states are going the opposite direction, which is shocking. It's shocking. But we'll get it done throughout the country. It's going to happen. It's happening. It's just common sense. It's a great question, too. Okay. Yes, please. Go ahead. See you. Mr. President, my grocery bills are going up every week. As someone on a fixed income, that really hurts. And it feels like Joe Biden doesn't even care about us in so-called flyover country. How are we going to fix these prices under control? You said groceries, right? Yes. The groceries are horrible. I mean, you look at eggs and you look at bacon and you look at just what we used to consider staples and you see the kind of numbers. A lot of it's going to have to do with energy. Once the energy comes down, a lot of other things are going to follow. Energy is so big, it's so powerful, it's so impactful that once the energy comes down, you're going to see a lot of good things happen. And we have more energy than any other country in the world, more than Saudi Arabia, more than Russia. I call it liquid gold, and it's right under our feet. I mean, when you look at the craziness, we're allowed to go to Venezuela to take their energy, and it's horrible. It's tar. It's bad. It pollutes. You know where they uh, refine it? In Houston. So they talk about the environment, but they bring it from Venezuela to Houston because that's the only place that has the refineries for this kind of very bad potential oil. And they refine it in Houston. So if you're a big believer in that, all that stuff is going up in our country. And it's just incredible. We have the greatest energy in the world. You know, I approved something. I was very proud of it. Anwar, Alaska. And Anwar is the biggest, probably, probably the biggest site anywhere in the world. And probably bigger than Saudi Arabia. Just that one in Alaska. 
And Reagan tried to do it, he couldn't get it done. Bush tried to do it, he couldn't get it done, of course. And other people couldn't get it done, nobody could get it done. I got it done. And the first day in office, they terminated Anwar. And uh, this would have been incredible to have for our country. I mean, literally, we were going to become energy dominant. We would have made, because it's a big, big industry, we would have made so much money that we would have started paying off debt, lowering taxes still further. We would have done something that nobody's ever seen before because we have so much. You know, I filled up the strategic national reserves. I knew not much about it. I said, what are the reserves that we want to fill up and that's been taken for years and years down to a low level? And I made a great deal. I got very little credit for it. But when our, when our oil price hit like these crazy low numbers, that's when I asked a question because we had so much. I said, what about filling in the, the caverns? These are these massive, as in, in Louisiana and various other salt, like the salt mines, the big, massive salt mines. And I bought 75 million barrels for peanuts and filled it very close up to the top. We were going to be topping it out. And then Biden, just before the election, in order to keep prices a little low, he released all of that. And now we set a record low. They've taken all of it and then some. And we have the lowest that they've ever seen it right now. It's the lowest that they've ever seen, meaning the reserves themselves. We had it up almost to the top would have been topped out at really low prices and by the way now they have to pay three to four times more than what i was paying and the democrats fought me all the way they got us stopped actually for a while they fought me all the way at a price that was 25 percent of what they have to pay right now so it's uh it's a crazy thing and a lot of times we'll say common sense but the other side either doesn't have common sense, or they really hate us. And let's take one more. I'm looking at that big, powerful guy there. I don't know. Who's a better-looking guy? Let me, <laughs> let me see. I don't know. He looks good. They look, they look good. You, you, look, you look fantastic, and we love you. Ah, thank you very much. I appreciate um, it. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're the greatest executive I've ever observed in my lifetime, and I think you've made it possible for governors, including Kim Reynolds, whom I love and respect for many years, to become the really high-level executives by your example. Now, you had passed legislation, or got legislation passed for like the wall. It got paid for, it was passed, you signed it. And then there was the uh, XL Keystone Pipeline. All of these things had to do with interstate commerce. Right. There are Section 1, or Article 1, Section 8 in the Constitution. Biden had no authority in law to reverse those things. And what would you do to see to that never happens again under your watch through your actions and with the legislation? Well, the Keystone, great. I love your question. I like your statement even more than your question, to be honest with you. This could be the last question of the night because I love it. Appreciate it. Appreciate the job you do also. Do you know each other, Sheriff? Do you know each other? Do you know who that is, that man? Huh? Huh? Bobby. Yeah, I love this guy. I love them both. Ready? So I think what, hap what has to happen, uh, and it's very simple. The Keystone Pipeline was a tragic mistake that they made. That was so much coming from other parts, and it was going right into the source. Everything would have been, it would have been so great. And by the way, environmentally much safer. The wall, I built hundreds of miles of wall, but I ended up getting 
uh, I want to use a nice word because we have such young people here. But the word that would normally be used would be screwed. But I wouldn't use that word because I don't want to get in trouble with the parents of these two beautiful young boys. No, what they did is they took advantage of the American public and we built hundreds of miles, but there was other areas that we could have built. I ended up having to take it out of the military because I considered it an invasion. And the Army Corps of Engineers did a fantastic job. We built hundreds of miles of it, but I didn't get it the old-fashioned way, like getting it approved because the Democrats fought us every inch. We had 11 lawsuits. It took us two and a half years. We won all of them. But we had 11 lawsuits to win. They, fight, they tried to fight the wall. But the bottom line is, it, it sort of shows, that's a good example. If you want to get something done, if you love our country, and you really want, if it's so important, you're going to get it done. You're going to find a way to get it done. This was sort of ingenious. We passed this big military budget, but we couldn't get a wall built for a tiny fraction of that. And I said, this is an invasion of our country. And it is, by the way. This is an invasion of our country, what's coming across our border. It's no different than soldiers. And they're bringing a lot of different problems than soldiers would bring. They're not bringing merely bullets, and they're bringing plenty of them. But they're causing tremendous problem for our country. And it's a problem that we may have a very, very long, unless we do something quickly, and we have to do it smart, and we have to work with law enforcement, to do it properly, not going to be easy. But they're hurting our country. They're killing the blood, the life stream of our country. And we're going to do something about it. But why they killed the Keystone, I have no idea. And the union representing all of those thousands of workers, 48,000 workers, they endorsed, the union endorsed Biden. But all the workers are for Trump, okay? But the head guy endorsed Biden. And what did Biden do? Probably the second or third day in office, he terminated the Keystone Pipeline. So, you know, so the people in that union uh, are not too happy. They're not too happy. But look, bottom line is we have to use common sense and we have to do a little bit like Kim or a lot like Kim and some other governors. You know, Kim, you would be the first to admit we have some great governors, Republican governors, Perhaps some Democrats, too, but they don't seem to have our policies at all. You look at any Democrat-run state, and it's just not the same. It doesn't work. You look at these cities, our great cities are New York City is a crime den. Chicago is a crime den. You look at these great cities, Los Angeles, San Francisco, you look at what's happening to our country. We cannot let it happen any longer. And one of the other things I'll do because, you know, you're supposed to not be involved in that. You just have to be asked by the governor or the mayor to come in. The next time, I'm not waiting. One of the things I did was let them run it, and we're going to show how bad a job they do. Well, we did that. We don't have to wait any longer. We've got to get crime out of our cities. Thank you very much for a good question. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Kim, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, so that was kind of loaded. <laughs>
that was loaded. Thank you, RSBN, for always streaming for all of us to have. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed his speech. And, you know, it kind of sucks because it's almost nine o'clock and I can almost feel my bedtime calling. Um, and I really wanted to do a show on information theory, basically. Um, but I guess I'll do that tomorrow morning. Um, maybe I'll do two shows tomorrow. Who knows? Because information theory is something that I want us to talk about. It's quite important and quite necessary, especially in this time of turmoil, I would say, and questions. So I guess um, we'll let that percolate. I just wanted to kind of like point out, you know, he's hounding and constantly stating about these parental rights, right? It's really important. Right now, parents aren't even allowed to go into a doctor's office if their kid is like over eight, nine years old because, you know, they want to ask it about its gender. You can't defend your kid's civil liberties unless you have money to afford an attorney. And so, um, you know, the lawsuit that I had filed, which all these people out there, you know, I, Pete Santilli said it. To my, to my face and on his show, that us filing pro se lawsuits is stupid. Where did all these groups, the Moms for America, Moms for Liberty do? What did they do for parental rights? They talk about the problems, they're trying to get into the school boards, but how can they systemically fix it if the law is against us? You can't. See, that's the thing. When we see a problem, especially something so multifaceted and targeted like parental rights, you have to find the kill shot. The kill shot is by challenging the law. And so that is key. No, P was one of many. I'm not just calling him out, okay? I had conversations with friends that told me the same thing. And I was like, you guys suck. We need a solution. We're not going to sit here and milk it for money. We need a solution. We're not going to raise funds because you're, you know, pretty and you, and you shout nice, right? Look, guys. I didn't even have to do it. My kid's 17. I signed a waiver so that she can freaking go to the Marine Corps, right? I didn't do it for her. I did it for all the kids, right? You've got to be targeting things like kill shots. When you come at them like a kill shot, that is how you do it. Now, right now, Kavanaugh has to answer the question. Am I not allowed to stand up for my kid's civil liberties? without an attorney. So if I can't afford an attorney, that means my kid has no civil liberties, period. And this is why they're able to do the things they do at the schools. You know, I wasn't even going to talk about this today, but I think it's important that we do revisit that notion. Parents have every right to stand up for their kids' civil, civil liberties, every single right. As long as your kid is a minor, you are the one paying its bills, paying its health insurance, making sure it's not sick. You get held accountable if all those things are out of order. But the minute their civil rights are violated, you have no say unless you have money. So, you know, for all those influencers out there, and there were pretty big people that said what she's doing. I mean, obviously it was the Akbars and the likes, right? Even Tracy Bean said that. Where are they? What the fuck did they do? See, this is it for and by the people. 
Because once you get intertwined with these stupid fucking nonprofits, you know, give me money, let me do it. No, 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 no. They've got to be kill shots. And this is it. You target it directly. You're telling parents that the law says, and that's the thing. When I reached out to an attorney, another attorney, you know, for assistance uh, with the mask mandates, and and he's a fantastic attorney, uh, Maurice, constitutional attorney, great guy. He was like, don't you dare file it pro se because you're going to fuck it up for the rest of us. I said, don't you understand? I need you to help me understand why. And he's like, because lawyers should be in the courts. End of story, gone. I, I don't care how genius you are. You're wrong. The courts are for the people. The courts are for and by the people. And we have to change that because there is decades of case law stating that you have no rights. The only case that I was able to find that a parent was able to defend their kids' civil liberties was on some social security case, right? And I use that as well. I know the judge was stuck in a pickle, but it was his easy way out by not getting caught. Because remember, I brought the facts. I said, they're getting paid to mask them. No, we're not. They were, right? That came out in the future. I already knew, but you know, that wasn't public yet, right? But I made sure to file it when those documents came in. The point that I'm trying to make is I won the mask mandate case based on the facts and everything. I lost because I wasn't allowed to represent my child. So that's the thing. And so I, 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 I am blessed because there are really good attorneys out there. Very good attorneys. Many that you do not know the name of. That work hard, hard, hard. It's got to be a targeted targeted shot when you come at them. This was perfect. This was winnable. It should have won. But the judge went with established case law that parents do not have the right to represent their kids. That is why your schools, your healthcare institutions, and every other freaking whatever you want can do whatever they want to your kid while they're a minor. And you can't say shit unless you keep your kid in your house. You have no choice on their medical decisions, their sex, (laughs) gender selection. You have nothing. Okay. Nothing. So I just wanted to put it out there. We are in the sixth circuit. Um, I know that there was briefs going around now. Um, I'm pretty confident because, you know, uh, whatever Kavanaugh does, this shit's going straight to the Supreme Court. So (laughs) whatever happens, I mean, maybe, maybe he'll do the right thing or maybe it just has to become law of the land and go to the Supreme Court, which I, which I knew the minute I, I, I took up that fight. And you know what's going to be awesome? That when we get to the Supreme Court, all your fucking cases, every one of you that filed a federal lawsuit against the mask mandate identical to this are going in there as supporting documents just to show how the courts failed across the nation. You see how that goes? How many parents said, no, we're doing this and they were shut down by the courts. So the fight is only just beginning. We're in the sixth circuit. We'll see how that goes. I mean, ideally, I wanted it to be done faster. But, you know, this was filed in 2021, you guys. It's 2023, okay? 2023. You know, I'd like to see how Amy Comey Barrett would say, no, my kids have no rights. Or how any other Supreme Court justice says that a parent has no right to defend their kids. That's all I want. 
And then he can kick it back to the federal court and I can sue the shit out of the school district for getting paid to mask my kid. But for now, that was the primary goal. So, you know, for those of you that filed lawsuits, right? Don't, don't misplace them. Have your denials. Wear that denial and that dismissal freaking proud because you're going to make history. I just wanted to let you know that because this is how you make change. By changing things that you can, right? This is something you can change, but you got to be persistent and you've got to be focused. Jeez. And God has to bring really good people around you. I kid you not, you guys. I can't even express that anymore. The minute it's law that you have the right to represent your kid's civil liberties. There's no more of this shit. I'm feeding your kid child porn. Phoebe was telling me how in English class, they were discussing how to have anal sex. Now you're going to say, okay, the kids in that class are 16 to 17. Nobody cares. My kid doesn't need to know about butt plugs and fasting the day before so they can have a cleanse colon. Like this is bullshit, but they can get away with it because again, 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 you have no rights. You as a parent cannot stand up for the civil liberties of your kid. This is established case law. This isn't like dilly-dallying. People just assume they do. No, no, no. Unless you can afford a civil rights attorney, a constitutional attorney that, guys, it costs a lot of money. A lot. Your retainer to start will be 20 grand. Ask. I know. So just so you understand, unless you've got at least, you know, 50, 60 grand, because they will fight you to the end. <laughs> you know, so far, the bills <laughs> that's racked up, like, you know, six figures. When it goes to SCOTUS, the paperwork, the filing, the printing, the 72 copies, they will milk it to the end, right? And then you have to file again to get your money back. But then you have to show that they had the intention to deceive. Well, for me, in this case, it's very easy. They got the ESSER funds. They knew what the fuck they were doing. And they still fucking played stupid. But I'm, I'm just saying, this is really important. Because President Trump talked about parental rights. And that is very, very important. But how do you change something when it's so deep in the law? You take the kill shot. See, I'm not an attorney. Should have been. Went to school for it. I did. I did. It was a couple courses short of my um, GDL, graduate degree of law. It was a one-year, well, it was th it's a three-year honors program, but I was in for the two years as an intern. <laughs> it was, uh, some work that I was doing. And then when I went back, I used the same cover, but at another university uh, with a graduate degree of law. So I'm just saying. Um, so... Should have been a lawyer. Should have been a lot of things. Government paid for a lot of my training. Um, so anyway, on that note, I'm going to bid you guys a good evening. I want you guys to know, right, that we are making change. We have made change. And you're going to see this come to the surface really, really quickly. And, you know, a lot of people just parroted a lot of shit that attorneys and people that were too stupid to think about them themselves, even though they have an alphabet soup after their name, didn't realize how to target this. Because it's all a game. The only way to win is that you don't play. Or, if you're a really good player, checkmate.
So let me let me play a song. I feel like a song. I feel like a really good song. I know what song I want. Hold on. Let me find it. Okay, here we go. Let me share it. And I'll bid you guys a good evening. I'll see you guys tomorrow morning. God bless. flag of the United States of America. And to the Republic for which it stands. under God indivisible with liberty and justice for all.